0: You're listening to the Legendarium Blue Team. You have chosen wisely. Please go to patreon.com legendarium to support the show.
1: And that was exactly what my buddy did. He looked at me and he said, dude, how stupid are you? And, <laughs> and it's, it's, I'm, I'm reading this conversation. I'm like... Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. This was me at 18. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome to the Legendarium. This is the blue team. This is the original blue team. The return. We got Megan, Ken, and Todd on the line. How's it feel to be all of us back again? You know, I missed you guys. It would be better if we were together. <laughs> but
2: home. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. I, and and having said that, Ken, let's make sure that everybody is aware. We are recording this during the COVID-19 social distancing orders. So as a result, we are in our own homes trying to do all of this through technology, which is a really cool thing, but it's also a really kind of frustrating thing. And there's every possibility that it may give us a, a curveball here or there. That was a reference to it. Ken's hat, uh, that that may cause some problems along the way. So if it sounds like things get kind of crazy or jumpy or anything like that, it's probably not you're listening to it. It's probably us and the process of trying to record it. So be patient with us. Uh, But part of the reason that we're making sure we're doing this and experimenting with these technologies is because we know you guys rely on this. And during the social distancing that everybody else is doing, we want to keep getting this going out to you guys. As much as we possibly can so there you go this is our our little part as the legendarium to provide world peace and everybody keeping keeping everybody happy and calm
2: and doggone it we want to be together
1: <laughs> and we do it is it is so we nice to, talk to see books. you guys it is really nice to see you guys i have missed you in ways i cannot even describe um but megan's, my game is getting better
2: megan's quarantine beard is coming in nicely
0: yep i'm very <laughs> proud of it you'll never see it because no photos will be taken
1: <laughs> <laughs> and ken and i will simply smile smile politely and uh we will not confirm nor deny anything that happens so well,
0: i'm not trying to take a picture
1: get up <laughs> um as we go through this today we are talking about small favor one of our dresden books um yeah. which I, I i okay i i made a mistake on this last time so i'm not going to make the mistake before i even ask any questions ken you have a recap for us? Oh my
2: gosh. Do I have a recap? We're in the heart of the order, people. Did you write
0: this like two months ago when you first read this book? (laughs) What if? Poor
2: kid. (laughs) we will know based on the references uh, he makes. I've been so excited to get into this book. I can't even tell you guys. Uh, And it's been fun to do all the other stuff, but I've just, I've missed this. uh, I've missed being in Magic Chicago, as as I like to call it. But uh, anyway, here we go. Uh, winter time in Magic Chicago, football at Soldier Field, that chill blowing off of Lake Michigan, snowball fights with your apprentice and her perfect family, where goats busting up your nose because the Winter Queen is cashing in favor number two. Oh, and because the Summer Queen hates you, so there's that. Gentleman Mar- Johnny Marcone has gone missing and after his safe house was exploded by magic and Harry didn't do it this time. But it does prompt Mab to show up, mess with Harry's head and ask, you can see my air quotes, ask him to find Marcone. It's really not that hard to find and rough up some goons and eviscerated Valkyrie later. And the Denarian showing up in mass, looking to take control of Marcone's empire hostily. Harry's bad idea of helping Marcone sign onto the Unseelie Accords is already paying gigantic dividends, folks. The idea of a di- Denarian Marcone is actually just a consolation prize, a test run, if you will, for their real target in the form of a sweet little Cindy Brady style, 11 year old named Ivy. My favorite Ivy outside of Wrigley field, by the way,
1: just saying, <laughs> Of course
2: they do predictable old Harry into giving her or to getting her here, slip a little dirty silver to her and boom, instant OP spell slinger on team Nickelheads. That'll kick the balance of power square in the Jimmy's. So it's a kind of a big threat. It's so big. In fact, that Harry offers the Denarians an 11 to one, uh, 11 for one prisoner exchange and a sword of the cross just to get her back. The Denarians being back in town also brings us one bright side. Uh, Sonya comes with them and man, he's got a story to tell. So meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, bringing the White Council into the matter also offers Harry and Lucio a chance to, you know, have a more intimate meeting. Dun, dun, you know what I'm saying? Uh, did Todd, you did, just don't don't? Maybe. Good good call on that, by the way, Todd. You saw that before the rest <laughs> of us did. Yep. Yeah. In the end, Harry, uh, team Harry beats back all comers. We're safe from Dark Ivy. Harry gets himself on the radar of an archangel and a little archangel soulfire and some foresight for his trouble. Of course, the victory seems pretty darn pyrrhic because Marcone could and likely does have a Denarian coin, not just any Denarian, but that of Thorned Namshiel. That seems pretty huge, and we lose Michael. <sighs> Do we? What? No. (sighs) Not. Mm. Not lose-lose, but... Mm. Which officially, but it officially puts (laughs) Tessa right at the top of my really, really, really want-to-see-destroyed list. And now all the balls are rolling, probably from that lion leather sack. So, two favors down. What will be favor number three? I expect to see it in about three books. Just a guess. Uh, Who has the coin of Thorn and Nam-shield, and why is it Marcone? So, Harry has two... (laughs) Harry has two swords of the cross and apparently they're called uh, to lines of of royalty. So uh, any takers, I predict somebody, we just don't expect somebody like, I don't know, somebody, some background character we haven't seen forever. That's just going to show back up. Anyway, we'll talk about that. Uh, Fearless prediction time, by the way, I think that Michael's oldest boy, Daniel takes up uh, Harry's or takes up Michael's sword. That's just my prediction because it just seems to make sense. He's becoming you know of age to be a fighter and we'll talk about that too. And seriously, dudes that chapter 43. Oh man, how badly is Harry going to take the fact that he's trying to do the right thing and once again he ends up getting somebody else, especially Michael, nearly dead. So that's the recap. Now, prithe, bring me a donut with sprinkles and frosting of white. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I'm disappointed. If we had been able to do this in studio, I would have had I would have had white donuts with sprinkles for
1: you guys. I'm sure you would have. I'm sure you would have. And I would yeah, have eaten three. There- <laughs> there is a, <laughs> the, I don't the know what you guys would,
0: be eating, but I'd be eating them all.
1: Oh it, yeah. It, it's a good thing that they would have been frosted instead of powdered because the powder would get into your beard. Um,
2: yeah.
0: And your mustache.
1: And yes. my
2: mustache. And oh, M- yeah. Megan's mustache. <laughs> Megan oh, hates my I'm mustache. I'm sorry, like, Megan. No. I'm sorry.
1: You don't have a mustache. It's You're beautiful. making
0: fun of the fact that I haven't been able to get to my stylist or any of those people. There's a lot of gray in my eyebrows, guys.
1: Anyway. <laughs> You know what? Doesn't look it. Doesn't look us. It's very becoming for you. How about that? Um, So yeah, there is a lot to unpack in this book. Um, So much. This book
2: is. When I said all the balls are rolling, I mean like there are so many things going on. Every single ball is in motion now. It's true. All we world?
0: needed was a red court vampire to come tearing through at some point. See, That's, and that was right. the one
1: thing that was the one thing that they they intimated the war between the white court and the and the vampires, but that one didn't really raise its head in this one. This was so self-contained, uh just about the the problems that are going on because of the uh because of the the use your words, Todd. Use your words. Sorry, the nickel heads. Thank you. I was going to say the the Knights of the Black and Denarius. There we go. That's the yeah. that's the term I need. I like nickelheads. So <laughs> better Nickelback. Um, but maybe they are the most hated band in the entire world, right? right? Continue. Finish your thought. Everything is so tightly contained that they didn't even need to in- introduce any of that. Just keep mm-hmm. it on the back burner. We didn't have to introduce anything about the Black Court. Just keep it on the black back burner, but give a strong indication that Harry's world, even without those things going on, is still incredibly tumultuous and lots and lots and lots of really scary things happening around him. Should we... Oh, sorry, Megan, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, Harry keeps saying he's not a politician, but man, he's juggling a lot of different... A uh, lot of different groups of people and trying to keep everybody not happy, but not as murdery as they might be otherwise.
2: Yeah, he's trying to keep, he's trying to keep 17 different groups from killing each other. and uh... Or him. Or him or him.
1: So imagine if. Go ahead, Ken.
2: I was going to say, Andy's trying
1: to keep his group from killing him. (laughs) There is that we will probably have an opportunity to talk a little bit about that. But before we dive too far into this, I want to I want to make sure that we don't miss an opportunity to see what any of our questions from our Redditors were. So, Ken, do we have a question from a Redditor that we can start off with? that that was
2: actually my uh, my first suggestion several people have asked uh, both on reddit and discord what do we think of the meetings between harry and nicodemus in the aquarium and also on the boat because there, those are two two things that you think oh those are those are interesting they're juicy but if you dive back into them there is some real information there that um that is parsed out in, in those two conversations, because it's clear Nicodemus is pulling so many strings. That guy is always so many steps ahead and he, he knows about, about the black court. He knows about, uh, or about the black council, excuse me. And he knows about, uh, there's a, there's a Judas on the, uh, on team Denarius and he doesn't know who it is. It's such, he's, he's kind of in a bind and there's so much going on that he actually says, please. He actually asks Harry, please, when he starts to walk away. I mean, that, you know, has got to take a lot of, that's got to take a lot of pride right out of him just to ask that.
1: So what did you think about those, those two, those two interactions? I
0: don't remember a lot of the specifics of what was said in the interactions. I did think it was interesting, though. um, There was a lot of conversation in this book about who can you actually trust? Who is telling you the truth and how do you know? And that is yes. one of the things that Nicodemus brings up where he says, OK, you've had the side of the knights like you've heard their side of this whole battle. But do you think that that's actually the whole truth of what's going on? Do you really think they're so pure? And, you know, Harry also has conversations with Michael kind of about the same thing. Um, you know, how do, how do we know we're on the right side? Everybody thinks they're on the right side. Everybody hopes they're doing The right thing, even if it's for the wrong reasons, I just that's that's most of what I got out of those conversations where Nicodemus is really he's seeing Harry. I mean, he's using Harry, obviously, and he's trying to trick him, but he's also seeing Harry as uh, as we have as he's very well connected in a whole lot of different worlds. And so if he can somehow control Harry or confuse Harry, um, it could really be a strong tool for the denarians.
1: One of the things that I took from those two conversations there. I should say two things. Two things that I took from those conversations. The first one was, Nicodemus is probably the only person who deals with Harry who is absolutely truthful about his intentions, his aims, his goals, his process. He makes it very clear to Harry that what that in picking up the the coins. He started a process that was thousands of years in 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 time from start to finish. And his whole goal, yeah, it is world domination. Yes, Harry, I'm not going to hide this. I'm trying to do this. But think of all the good that can come from somebody being in charge. Now, I don't know about you, but I've heard that story once before. And every time I've heard that story, my skin crawls. And all I want to do is vomit all over that person and say I'm sorry this goes it, it it flies in the face of everything that that I personally espouse to be really important mm-hmm. and and yet Nicodemus gives it with it with a an absolutely calm and reasonable air it was one of the most chilling moments of the entire series. For me, when I was listening to it, it was actually so chilling and so, dis- so so powerful that it was distracting to me. I actually had to pull my car over. Most of my reading I do, I do in the car. I had to pull my car over because I was so distracted and so distraught by it. The other thing that I took from this is that Nicodemus has drastically underestimated Harry's ability to influence things. Okay. Not only influence things people around Harry, but he didn't recognize and could not see that Harry had influenced the shade of Lashiel to give her life for Harry and free him from the control of Lashiel. I think when yes. Nicodemus set up those meetings, he was absolutely counting on the fact that Lashiel's shadow was going to have worn him down so much that it was going to be an easy sale. And I think partway through the conversation in the aquarium, when Harry is, is resisting Nicodemus, and Nicodemus pounds him into the wall, It's out of surprise and frustration, which sets up that second conversation because Nicodemus realizes, all right, something's gone wrong here. I got to change my tack. I think that is one of the most magnificent moments. Everybody, everybody seems to underestimate Harry, including, I think, Harry. Mm -hmm. Oh, I absolutely think that Harry underestimates Harry.
2: And I I think that is uh, part of the part of what what brings uh, Uriel, the archangel, to him later in the book uh, which we can we can talk about in a minute uh but yeah i think i think nicodemus comes the closest of any of the bad guys we'll call them the bad guys to giving harry his due in terms of of um well how good he is he he knows i mean he tells him straight out he's the only person that he knows that nicodemus knows that for sure he knows is not on the black council because he, he, cause Harry just wouldn't do it. Anybody that, that bullheaded, you know, yeah. he, he, he knows exactly, he knows exactly the quality of Harry's character basically. And, and yet still underestimates him. And I think uh, the, the last uh, fight with him, even as us uh, underestimating him, even as Harry throws him in the water, cause he's sitting there. I, I love the quote in the book, you know, how he gets him in the ribs, knowing exactly how to cause pain. What he doesn't know is how much Harry, knows about taking pain yeah yeah like he can deal a lot of pain i can absorb a lot of pain and and so that that battle but we see a lot of um harry still is capable of surprising even nicodemus though and it's interesting what a great foil those two are for each other
1: much more than i expected in uh, death masks i think is what they were in the first time right they become much more than just adversaries I think you're right as much as I was initially in, in expecting Marcone to be the primary foil for Harry Dresden Marcone may be a human foil but as far as a, a as far as a really good nearly immortal foil yeah it's Nicodemus and it's a it's a really interesting battle it, it's clear also how much respect
2: that he gets from Nicodemus because Nicodemus actually does confide in him he actually tells him things. And it, not just to not just to distract him, you know, while his people can get in position to, you know, attack the twelve-year-old girl, but he also just he also clearly respects Harry. So anyway, what do you that, make
1: of what do you make of the fact that the that the Knights of the Blackened Denarius uh, are willing to use members of their order as fodder? I, I think that
2: that makes sense to me. I mean, because all they care about is. What's in it for them, their own aims. They care about watching the world burn as it were. And that, and you know, if, if they have to sacrifice one of their own to do it, or, or several of their own to achieve their personal aims, they'll do it. That seems right up their alley.
0: I think it's interesting hearing about Sonya's backstory and how the reason one of the reasons why he got out when he did of uh, being one of the black knights, um is because he overheard a conversation saying that like he really was expendable, and there isn't a lot of loyalty. And I think when, um, I think there's going to be at some point a slip up with Nicodemus or Tessa. Is Tessa still alive at this point? I'm unclear. Uh, I thought, she may have run away with the coins is like sheer Rosanna.
2: Um, I thought she got burned through, but uh, later in the book it says that he thinks she's still alive. So yeah.
0: Um, but I, I think that that is going to be one of the breaking points for, you know, we ha- we still have those top three uh, Denarians where there's going to be a moment of disloyalty that's really going to destroy them. Um,
2: uh-huh.
0: That is my guess. You could call it a prediction. But, you know, even, you know, Nicodemus seems to be destroyed and he's thrown into the water. Harry throws him into the water. Mm-hmm. And his daughter is immediately like, no, father, and runs after him instead of going after Harry. And
1: and mother is is nowhere to be found.
0: Um, And it's the only bit of loyalty we really see in that, because otherwise, like you said, Todd, they really are used for fodder. They're very much pawns. They aren't so much um, loyal to the people as they are. They're not even loyal to the coins. So it's 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 interesting to me to see somebody like Nicodemus, where uh, it's such a perfect pairing, I guess. Of oh yeah, the devil in the coin and the human and like their aims that they work so well together, whereas everybody else just kind of ends up being a tool.
2: Yeah. Nicodemus oh, and Anduriel <laughs> in all of the ways tool. Nicodemus and Anduriel are, are seem perfectly paired and man, that is,
1: that is a creepy pairing too. It's Oh, man. Yeah, it is. Hey, uh, you brought up something, Megan, that I want to, that I want to jump on right now. And that is Harry's conversation with, Oh crap. Here we go. Um, <laughs> Harry's conversation with Sasha. We're
0: eighteen minutes in, okay.
1: Eighteen minutes is all it took. <laughs> Any, whoever whoever had eighteen minutes, you win. You win the prize today. Um, did you guys? Did you guys catch that moment that felt like it was exactly uh, lifted from *Way of Kings*? When Sasha is talking to Harry, and he says, "Your your cause runs very similar to ours. You fight to protect those who cannot protect themselves." That was another moment where, again, I had to pull my car over. That one was because I couldn't see Um, (laughs) much the way I cannot see now. Um, What did what did did you resonate to it the way that I did and thinking, oh, my goodness, this this level three principle of doing good for others who cannot do it for themselves, protecting them, this reminiscence of way of Kings. Did it hit you guys that same way? Or was that kind of one of those things that you said, Oh, nice bit of storytelling, Jim.
0: Nice, nicely
1: done. Let's move forward. Shall we?
0: I love that conversation partly because Sonia is a knight for God, basically, but he's an agnostic. He doesn't really believe in God. And one of the lines that really struck me was what we do is worthy without ever bringing questions of faith, religion, or God into the discussion. It's like, he doesn't say this, Mm -hmm. but it's basically, he's just saying, it's what a decent person would do. If they're able to do it, they would do it. Um, So yeah, Todd, that, that struck me where I sit, where I sit. And I think like, how many times do I let people be jerks to other people where they don't need to? um how many times do i let people be jerks to me where they don't need to when i don't stand up for myself like they're we need to stand up for each other we need to stand up for ourselves we need to do what is right regardless of whether we think anybody's watching because it needs to be done somebody needs to do it why not us
1: and how about you
2: it it resonated with me yes but i don't think to the same uh extent that it did with uh, the two of you only not in not in terms of the substance because because I, I think it's a, w- a wonderful uh, philosophy to live by, and I I echo uh, Megan. I, I, it's something that we should all do. But it's something that I feel has validated my my uh, opinion of Harry through ten books. We had a discussion a few books ago about is Harry a good person? Truly, are we sure? Are well, we not? I'm still having that. And I. I have I have always been on the side of yes Harry is a good person he may not do good things sometimes he may not um, take good tactics but I think he clearly is a help those who can't help their se- themselves do what is right even if it isn't clean you know type. Th- type of guy. He, he is a good guy. And I think Nicodemus validates that as well. And in the sense, you know, well, I didn't mean to go back to Nicodemus, but I think uh, it's just another example of, of, of Harry's moral compass is centered.
1: Yeah. The, the conversation between Harry and Sonia displays that, but so does in several chapters before that, so does Harry's actions and his conversations with Thomas when he takes the time to shovel the walks around the building oh, yes, that I he lives that. in. For as I as I read through this book, I found all kinds of little moments where Harry demonstrates that he will do for others the right thing. That he spends that time to take care of to take care of the place, not just because it's self serving and it causes his landlady to you know leave him alone a little bit every now and again, <laughs> but because there are old people in that building. And if they can't get in and out, if they hurt themselves, if they break a hip, yeah, the cops come there, but it makes their lives more difficult. Why not take mm-hmm. a moment and do something that you can do to make it better? Why not be a friend to Ivy when everyone else is going to treat her like a like an object? Why not treat her like a human being and give her the opportunity to have human relationships that will hopefully temper all of that knowledge that she has? Yes, it should have been done a different way, but since we've got it this way, let's do it this way, shall we? These moments that that Jim Butcher does a wonderful job of, of crafting and of putting into place and of making them seem so natural and so real are one of the pieces that make me say, this is part of why I love reading these books.
0: Right. Because on, a,
1: on that level three piece, he's he's a curmudgeon, he's 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 frustrating. He's a little bit morally ambiguous at times. And then you get this glimpse. No, he's not. He's a good person. I I, I loved those those hints and those pieces of information that we get along the way.
0: And it's so, pretty awesome it. that he, Harry, I agree. I do think ultimately he is a good person. He is somebody who is trained really hard and has a skill that most people don't. He has magic. Most people don't have that. And he, I mean, it's usually for hire. He uses his skills to, please, somebody give me some money so that I can eat from the Burger King tomorrow. All right. <laughs> uh,
1: Let's go um, where they treat me like royalty. Burger King? Burger King. Uh, Burger King. <laughs>
0: um, but he, he gathers people around him who are very like-minded and help to buoy him up. Uh, one of my very favorite parts of this book is um, his conversation with Murphy in Max Barr. And then um, the gruff comes in and really – no, who comes in? I don't know. Somebody comes in. It's one in. of
1: the gruffs. So the Somebody third gruff.
0: And starts kind of throwing his weight around. And Murphy's like, I'm sorry. This is my jurisdiction. And you're not allowed to do this in here. And she starts like spewing the law at this guy. And he just kind of is like, wait. What's happening? And Murphy just keeps going and she, oh my gosh, she's so cool. I want to be like her when I grow up. Do I have, oh, do you know who I am? Murphy asks. A lady knight, a shield bearer of this mortal roof. the gruff replied. An officer of the law or so I believe it's called. That's right, she said calmly. I make no challenge to your authority, Dame Murphy, she said. Dame Murphy rumbled the gruff. But you do, Murphy said. You've threatened one; I am sworn to protect. And it's just like, yeah. I mean, didn't you know that Murphy would be such a great, uh, such a help in that moment. But that gruff gets out of there, and Mac just raises his raises his bottle, dude.
1: <laughs>
0: yep.
1: when, and, when when Mac comes over, <laughs> Yeah, when when he says, and Mac came over with three bottles, took the tops <laughs> off. <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> if if there was ever a doubt yeah. that murphy in her own right is a yeah. formidable force we've pretty well abandoned that idea in this book haven't we
0: yeah we have yeah. i uh, when she went to grab the sword hilt and all of a sudden the light <laughs> came out i was like oh todd was right and then she refuses the sword and i was like oh wow i i honestly didn't see that coming but it makes a lot of sense knowing who murphy is because she she honestly feels she could do more good where she is, even though she's yeah. been demoted, even though she's been humiliated, even though things are really hard for her. Um, I mean, not that she'll ever let anybody know if it's hard on her, but she uh, she doesn't also need the this. Like, that's not an extra thing she feels would really help. And so yeah. I'm very curious. Like, that was my guess too. I was kind of like, yeah, okay, no, that makes sense. And then she's like, I'd rather not. Um and I like that Harry is like, well, you know, God takes your choice into account. That's fine. Um, but now I just really don't know. Like you said, well, Ken, I, it could be it, anyone.
1: And yeah, I, I wonder, I have to wonder if that's the end of it. I don't think it is. For Murphy. I, I really don't think it is. I think Murphy having that experience, I think. I think as we move further along, I'm willing to bet that there's another. As Harry said, it's a job offer. Um, which I thought was really funny. That was a great way to put it. What is it? I think it's a job offer. (laughs) But I think but I think that we're going to see that come back. And I think that Murphy is going to have another opportunity. I think things just have to get bad enough in the Chicago Police Department for Murphy to think that it's worth picking up. Let's keep in mind that just because Michael has the sword doesn't mean that Michael's not a contractor. He still has to work, he still has to make his life. So maybe things change. That's true.
0: In. But Murphy. I mean, she was in trouble previously. Like the reason she was demoted was because she disappeared when people thought that she needed her. So if she had the yes. sword and she was supposed to be going out and about and, you know, defending the faith, the, the, she doesn't have enough PTO for that. Yeah. Like, that's, that's not the, something she could do if she still wants to be a cop. And she we'll see how,
1: we'll see how bad things get in Chicago PD. Go ahead. Kat.
2: I could see, I could see a different job offer coming up for Murphy. I, I there's got to be something else out there. I don't think that a knight of the Mrs. cross. Kincaid. Yeah, Mrs.
0: K- Mrs. K- K- wow. Yeah.
1: Oh man. <laughs> uh, you know what? One of the phrases. One of the phrases that I re- that I wrote down from this book Sorry, that Ken? I that I you found. And I said to myself, "This has got a." To- Kincaid, if evidently exhausted himself, drew a gun took the safety off, placed it on his chest and went to sleep too. (laughs) It's cute. I whispered to mercy to Murphy. He has a Teddy Glock. He has a Teddy Glock. (laughs) (laughs) It's
2: so true. I wrote, I wrote down by the way about King of Kincaid Kincaid, Kincaid proves he's kind of like Peter Quill. He's an a-hole, but he's not 100% a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Accurate. Uh, Let's talk uh, about that and go into Ivy because now I have uh,
0: for Kincaid. Thank you.
2: Right It's almost perfect. I I think Kincaid is uh, he's showing that he's more than just a, a half demon gun for hire uh, especially when it comes to Ivy because he uh, he'll go to the he'll go to you know bat for that girl above and beyond a contracted worker. Yeah So he she clearly means more to him than just just a job.
1: The description okay. of where Ivy comes from and of how Kincaid, oh, was around in order for that to occur was one that caught me by surprise. Yeah. I had, I had no idea that that was that, that one came out of left field. And as they started to weave this story and I started to look at this idea of, Oh, that's why, that's why he's willing to do this. He knows where she comes from, what she lost, what the process, he knows and what it, in spite of being yeah. a demon, what a human thing to do. I really liked that. He's not full demon after all. I mean, there's gotta be some bit of humanity in there. Let's talk about humanity just a second and shift gears and talk about Lucio, shall we? Lucio! Okay. <laughs> well,
2: I, I wanna go back to Ivy though later. We don't have we to We will go back to
1: Ivy. Time. We will go back to Ivy. But yeah. I, I- I don't know about you, but when this when the scene opens after after all this stuff has gone on, Lucio's got uh, Harry back to the house and she's t- she's taking care and he wakes up and sees that she's taking care of him. And she goes through all of this process of of cleaning herself and all those kinds of things. Did y'all feel like I did that, that maybe Harry would been <laughs> hit one too many times in the head lately that he wasn't picking up on this? I mean,
0: I. I, mean, I... No, I was going to go in a different direction with that. Continue, because no, I didn't really. Uh.
1: So I'm reading it, and and I gotta I gotta be honest. I boy, do I dare say this? I have Let's been it. in a I have been in a situation similar to that, not exactly like that. But when I was younger, I was in a situation pretty similar. And one of my <laughs> buddies looked at me, and I and I. So I'm I'm listening to the, I'm reading this conversation between Thomas and Harry, and he gets to the point where he's like, "How stupid are you?" And that was exactly what my buddy did. He looked at me and he said, dude, how stupid are you? And and (laughs) I'm I'm reading this conversation. I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. This was me at 18.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say something controversial at this point. And it is based on my observations as a woman observing men. And this is, and you know, you guys can both yell at me if you want. And probably the Redditors will. But uh, mine is that they kind of have a one track mind where it's like, harry has a job to do yeah. he has a lot going on in his mind and that is what he's focused on now if he and lucio had started something up earlier and he was aware of that maybe that would be a part of but like this coming out of the blue it's not what his brain on, so i wasn't that surprised when he didn't really pick it up um this is yeah maybe i won't go i could buy that it, but i like i i wasn't really that surprised and at the same time it's like uh oh, harry you missed an opportunity oh good you didn't miss the opportunity i was glad that That Lucio was willing to give him a shot again after that, Um, because I I love that Thomas is like you're both kind of awkward. Like Lucio hasn't tried to attract a man in like 150 years, so maybe she doesn't know how to do it. (laughs) Maybe she doesn't realize that that you have to be a lot more overt than sitting and bathing yourself half naked in front of it. I mean, you would think that'd be pretty obvious, but apparently, Uh, you
1: would think so. You would think. I'm sorry. I'm but sorry I, what, what,
0: maybe because i i keep hearing from guys like we need to know you need to tell us and it's like okay sometimes actions aren't enough so i guess she needed to be like hey i'm into you harry let's uh i was gonna make it an inappropriate joke.
1: Uh, <laughs> what man <laughs> that's what she said so <laughs> the, the question that i have as as we follow that little relationship thread as it moves through the rest of the book it's it's it gives a little bit of tension in some moments and, and, and obviously it gives some, some release, no pun intended. But the, the real question that I have is, does this leave Harry then vulnerable to white vampire problems in the future? Well, Harry and Lucio? Remember, one of the reasons that Harry has, has not been able to be seduced by some of the white vampires oh, right! is because the last time that he had had relations was with uh susan With susan and
2: that was still protecting him and, and it i was thought a, the it exact a, same thing for a moment ex, there yeah it was so an one, ultimately-
0: thing, one thing we know about harry is that he is not in it for the short term like if he's interested in someone it, he's probably going to think it through and like it's not going to be a one-night stand and i don't see really? that yeah. happening with lucio um, so it's possible that It's possible that the protections Have been damaged somehow But it's also possible that this could strengthen Protections where um, Harry just being who he is Wants a long term relationship Really wants true love Wants a family that he never had um, And has already started that with You know Thomas um, Who is the family That he has Who he truly loves And would do anything for and vice versa um, okay.
1: Oh, go keep going.
0: Megan. Oh, go I didn't. Ha- I don't know why I said. Um. Keep going. I wasn't. I had nothing else.
1: So, can anything to, anything further that you want to add on that one? I've got one more thing that I want to add, but I'll I'll wait a second if you've got something else.
2: No, I, I think that it could it could also have the potential to transfer that protection of love from Susan to Lucio, and and I'm still holding out hope, you know, eight books later or whatever, that a, a little baby Harry is going to come in and and you know come
1: into the picture and, We know and we know three-year-old baby harry's going to show it's, up and save the world okay we there, can't there's it.
2: there's seven more books after this one it's got to happen he's going to be ah, baby uh, Harry's going to show up
1: and take one of the swords that's what you're saying
2: that see now now we're talking okay. now is harry is harry is harry of a royal lineage i don't want to know
0: i would like to say though oh no come back can you still hear me
2: yes, yes. we can
1: we can still okay, hear you should. And we're still recording, so you're okay. What sorry, would you like I to
0: say? I minimized the app. I want to say I was disappointed that that's all apparently Lucio had to do in this book. She's the captain of the warden. She is freaking amazing. And all she did in this book was seduce Harry and eat uh, Japanese food.
1: Well, keep but in we, mind.
0: We well, anything awesome.
1: I think there's two things we want to keep in mind. One of them is she's changed bodies. And so while yeah. she has the mind that has all of the magical knowledge that she's had in the past the body the the bloodline which is one of the things that's necessary for magical uh, magical manipulation is different and so that's probably part of the reason that that exists but i want to throw i want to throw a question out there what if lucio is the black council informant would this have been the most beneficial move that she could have made
2: To get inside
1: Harry's defenses and find out all about the little things that Harry's doing on the side. You're saying she's just Mata Hari. I'm just, I'm just saying there's a possibility. I don't don't buy it. Somebody out there has already read all the rest of the books and they're probably going to be going just absolutely ape right now, typing on the Reddit, Reddit feed, Todd, you're full of crap, blah, 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 blah. But I'm telling you as, as a, as a new reader working my way through this, I'm saying, Hmm. Jim has done some wonderful curveballs along the way. That one would be one that I would say, Wow, I, I didn't necessarily not necessarily seeing it coming, but it wouldn't necessarily surprise me.
0: That's true, and it would go along yeah. with the whole any woman Harry seems to get along with at the beginning always seems to have an alternate agenda towards the end.
1: And there's I'm something, and there's something that gets in the way, yeah. So, don't know. Um. I refuse
2: to buy it you can go ahead i say i refuse to buy it i i like to think that uh, it will strengthen his professional relationship with her as well though and
1: uh i don't know i think people say you're not a romantic ken i
2: think that he lucio and ramirez would make a very formidable uh task force inside of the white council uh, trying to snuff out the black council
1: be fun to find out yeah do you want to go back and talk about ivy or do you want to talk about something else first Uh, boy, we, Wow, what do you got Megan? Uh, I
0: wanted to, in reference to Ivy, they talk about, um, how it's dangerous to get too close to her. Oh, what's the lines. And I, I, you know, I've been saying I would like to know more about Bob and they make a comment. Um, all that knowledge without conscience to direct it. Uh, would just be really, really bad. And then they start talking about, yeah, uh, the necromancer has such a spirit in his service and yada. And Harry's like, oh, that's Bob. I'd never thought about Bob in that way before. And I was just like, oh man, I wanted Bob to be a person. Like, so I was kind of disappointed that that was Bob's backstory, but also like, it's a cool way of thinking about it where um, Ivy definitely has a body in there, but like, who knew that she wouldn't have the moral compass to really be able to um, regulate all of the knowledge that she has. So it's good that she is making a friend. I I personally think it's a benefit to her to have a friendship with Harry because he definitely has a moral compass. He's seen yeah. a lot of good and a lot of bad. Um, and, you know, Kincaid is a little bit tainted in that he is so loyal to her and willing mm-hmm. to protect her regardless. Um, she, I feel like she needs more people around her who would who could be a good benefit like who, no that's i don't know who would just to oh, help I, to see the good in the world and to judge oh this is good and this is bad
1: absolutely so, agree with you megan absolutely
2: agree. I, ivy is so complex there's so many things and we have we, in fact we had several questions on reddit and discord uh, about ivy and about if we thought it was good that harry's that Harry has a relationship with her, you know, uh, that he sees her as a person, Lucio, Lucio and Harry both have different opinions about that. She thinks that it's not good, that it's a hindrance for uh, Harry to treat her like a person rather than treat her like, like the archive, like a vessel of, of all knowledge. I think like a thing. I think it's uh, quite the opposite. I side with Harry. I think that it was, Ultimately it proved it proved valuable to her and it saved her that he considered her a person that she, she had that connection to hold on to. Uh when she was I we didn't get a glimpse. I would have loved to have seen what that uh what that that uh what they were going through in order to try to turn her, what they were tempting her with, how they were manipulating her. She's such she's such an interesting character. I mean. But you don't think, to, back,
1: think she's, back she's a
2: Benegesseret, you know. Think mm-hmm, back to your own
1: experiences as a as a twelve year old or as an eight-year-old or a ten-year-old. She's a child.
2: Yes. She's
1: a child that hasn't had a mother, that hasn't had someone to cuddle her when there are dark times, that hasn't has had the, someone
0: who has had, the knowledge that the mother that she had killed herself so yeah. that she wouldn't have to be the archive, which basically and like didn't want her child because knowing that she was having a child would have meant that she would have become the, like,
1: she couldn't have her own life.
0: We, we have a glimpse into probably some of the temptations. Go ahead and complete your talk, your thought,
1: Todd. Yeah. Well, just if, if it were, if it were just, if all of those other pieces were gone, when you're, when you're young, when you're a child and your, your view is so, uh, so immediate. It is very easy to believe that things are going to stay this bad, and that mm-hmm. that makes me remember. And we, we talked about this before. Harry's interaction with uh, the archangel at the end—the uh, archangel in disguise, the janitor. Yeah, Jack, I the janitor. I really like janitors. Um, I was one for a while, and I don't. I don't know that. Yeah. I don't know that people appreciate sometimes that they see a lot and they maybe understand some stuff, but the, but I, this one was one that I, that I uh, wrote down the quote. Well, and uh, where he was, where he was talking to him after being in the, in the chapel and knowing that Michael is, is hanging on for dear life by a thread. And he says, well, I never been to, I've been, never been to much school. You understand, but it seems to me that you're assuming something you shouldn't assume that God sees the world like you do, one thing at a time, from just one spot. Seems to me he's supposed to be everywhere, know everything. Think about that. He knows what you're feeling, how you're hurting, feels my pain, your pain like it was his own. Hell, son, the question isn't how could God care just about about just one person? Question is, how could he not? Sorry uh 43 minutes you get the you get the you get the runner-up prize um you're you're,
2: you're only allowed one good cry at uh, a show an episode todd come on thanks. i feel
1: like that was thanks, that man. was the that was
0: the extra good one i think that was i think that you're one was extra that.
2: good the other one was a warm-up
0: uh i just want to you know flip the coin as it were talking about ivy because yes she is a child but she also has all unlimited knowledge and if like it's it's awesome that Harry appreciates and understands the childlike part of it because he had a crappy well he had a pretty good childhood until his father died and then everything sucked um and so it took him a long time to find family with Ebenezer um but with Ivy, she does have all of this knowledge in her head and there needs to be a certain level of respect for that. And so it's interesting because Harry very much sees her as, oh, she's this child. And then she'll say or do something like have this whole magical battle that just blows his mind. And he's like, oh, yeah, she's yeah. He just he needs to keep in mind that she's not a regular child.
1: Right. That's all. Knowledge without morality does not make for a good archive.
0: And uh, as I've had a discussion with several of my friends lately, because they've been home all day with their children, <laughs> who, you know, they're not, that's not usual. Uh, kids don't really learn a lot of empathy until they're like mid to late teens. And so, yeah, that is something where Ivy definitely needs good influences around her. But uh, yeah, she has a lot more power than other kids generally have to deal with.
2: I, I think that with that, with her perspective though, I mean, she's the font of all knowledge basically. And she underst- I think she gets an understanding just based on, on third-hand accounts of knowledge without empathy is a, is a problem. I think that obviously it's not as, as uh, good as firsthand uh, examples, but I think that that she's not completely devoid of, of examples of empathy even with this much knowledge um since since she's got stories and all of that but that oh, being said that being said it's good to have one person one grown up adult person who treats you like a person who treats you yeah. as a valued as, as a, a person of value somebody who has has something to offer to this world and not just an asset.
1: I think no. we'd see I, I think one of the things that we're seeing in this is what would happen. We we see in Nicodemus and Tessa, what would happen if Nicodemus became the person to help Ivy learn what it meant to be human. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. And that's why it's so critical, I think, for Harry to be the person to help her understand what it means to be human. Yes, you have this information, but now let us make sure that we put that information into a context. This is what all the rest of us are dealing with. You've got power, you've got ability that transcends all of that, but recognize what's going on with the rest of us. Nicodemus says don't worry about that, worry about yourself. Harry says no, worry about the rest, because that's what we're here for.
0: And it's interesting that he also has, uh, Harry has his experience with Bob to kind of look at that and say, oh, she could turn into a Bob. I really don't want that for her. I don't
2: think she will. I
0: like Bob is all knowing and he knows so many things, but he's not really, he's not without well he's Harry's not conscience, person, But he's not yeah, a good without,
1: person. Yeah. Without Harry's conscience, Bob is not a, Bob, Bob is not somebody that you want to run into. No. I don't think. I, uh, sorry, I, I wanted to bring
2: this, come full circle with all of this. They talked about, even the uh, Denarians talked about how her, uh, emotional connection with Harry was his undoing because they harm him or threaten him. And that brings her out of her, out of her veil. And now they find her. And so they, they see that as, look, your connection to her has actually doomed her. But I think we get the sense later in the episode or later in the book that it's uh, actually the opposite way around. And oftentimes I think that that's the case that from whatever perspective you come from if you want to see something as inherently good or want to see something as inherently bad uh, you will find a way to to for that example to validate which one you believe. So sure. and also how cute is it that she, her thing with the otters? How cute was that?
1: That was pretty cute. And the way that she <laughs> was talking in. about Whether she was talking about the dolphins and those kinds of
2: things. I I love those little moments that just shows that in behind all of the uh, overwhelming power, she is just a little 12 year old girl and she's just so
1: stinking adorable. So So, we're coming up on the end of the episode. Are there any uh, last ideas that you guys want to make sure we talk about before we're, before we finish? What's your, what's your big takeaway from this? Maybe a prediction. uh, Megan go first.
0: Oh no. Not me. Uh, I, Todd, coming back to your uh, quote about uh, the quote from Jack the Janitor. uh, I am really excited that the angels, at least one angel has entered the game, um, is directly getting involved and teaching Harry a little bit more as Harry grows. I don't know how old Harry is at this point, but um, it's nice to know that he, because he's been complaining to Michael, like, oh, God's so all powerful. Why isn't he helping out? And so now we're getting a little bit more glimpses of that, and that this really is real, um, which I can understand why Michael would not have ever had like that kind of well, just kidding. Michael asks for light, and the so his sword automatically like, oh, shows off all this light during the fight in the garage. Um, but it's I hope that it doesn't go like a supernatural TV show route where the angels then later become the bad guys. but i'm I'm appreciating that there is another. Um, another group of good guys that are that are coming into play and that we did get the answer for what's up with harry's big giant silver magical hand
2: right that oh my gosh that was so cool but um the, which also is a two-edged sword as it were because you know too much of too much soul fire you can actually end up damaging your soul that, yeah is a That's a problem. I think uh, we're going to find out sooner rather than later, given that the next book is called Turncoat. I think we're going to find out sooner Uh-oh. rather than later uh, either who the traitor on the Black Council is or tr- traitor on the White Council is or who the traitor in the Denarians is. I think... I get, I get the feeling that I I haven't, I haven't read into it yet, but I get the feeling that the next book takes place pretty quickly after this one, a small favor turncoat and changes are all, I think they're all pretty bang, 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 right. One after another, it's kind of often seen as the heart uh, to use a baseball reference. This is the heart of the order. This is, this is where the big three books happen uh, and, and everything really kind of takes off in these three books. So I think we find out who at least one of the uh, betrayers is in the next book. I also think that we find at least one uh, owner for, for at least one of the swords in the next couple of books or in the next, well, I'm going to say with the next book, um, I still think that Daniel takes up Michael's sword. So the question is who takes up Fidel Um I
1: guess for me, one of the questions is who is descended from Charlemagne? Is that Michael do you remember when Molly was uh, when uh, Molly said that she had some homework and she came back and one of the questions that Harry was asking mm. was who is 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 there a connection between royalty and being given one of the swords Shiro was descended from the last emperor of Japan mm-hmm. someone is descended from Charlemagne I wonder who that one's going to be and maybe that has something to do with where either uh the uh, fetilochius or uh i can't remember the other name for the sword the, we've got two swords got Amorakeus,
2: Amorakeus, yeah Amarakius and 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 esparachus is uh is, sinus it's sinus. is
1: yep so i think we've got uh we've got some things that are that are interesting that way the other thing that i that i wanted to as much as i love some of his some of his information that he gives us as far as uh level 2 comments and there was a great one about uh, we are all ostriches and the world is sand. That was a great one. Sorry, we didn't have a chance to talk about it. I got to tell you, I love the way that Jim butcher just inserts a little bit of humor and most of it in a very irreverent manner from here. <sighs> and he says, maybe this is my problem, but this is kind of how I deal with tough stuff. And quite frankly, I relate to it when he says, I told, I told Thomas everything. And he, and then I said, and then I went for a ride in a monster truck. <laughs> we didn't even there get are- the
2: star Wars references. They,
1: yeah, there were. Oh, uh, they
0: were so great. I we feel like the Han Solo in a world for of Jedi. I totally
1: think we need to, to do, like another my, we do, do another one. Leaving. Guys, my favorite one though was, but as luck, or maybe fate, or maybe God, but probably a cheap city contractor would have it. All of the sprinklers were exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, fun stuff in this book. It was. It was obviously a, a big ride for us. A fast ride. A fast read. And sets up a lot of stuff for the future. So those of you that be are back. enjoying Dresden, yeah. No those of you that are enjoying Dresden, we're enjoying it as well and we're gonna keep rolling forward. So happy reading and we'll see you next time.